alive. Bam, we're live. Speaking of being alive. When your parents are alive, you might wish they behave different. When they're dead, you will wish you behave different. Pretend your parents are dead. It's <laughs> a pretty good one. Right? Right? Don't snap at your parents. It's, it's awesome. Whenever my kids act like jackasses to me, or even if I'm acting like the jackass and they like react like negative to me, like, you know, like, I mean, they're five and seven, but like push me or like, you know, do a temper tantrum. I'm like, hey, dude, remember, you love me more than anything in the world. <laughs> look past my, I always just guilt them like that. Look past my shortcomings. Look past <laughs> my shortcomings. I'm the greatest thing in your life. Your kids, the, your kids do the skateboarding stuff, huh? Say it again. Your kids do the skateboarding stuff, huh? Yeah, the big the the big three are skateboarding, jujitsu, and tennis. And um, it's, it's kind of like try like to get something in. Like it's in my mind to get those things in every single day. Some aspect of that, you know. Yeah. Um, and in in I'd say fifty percent of the time I'm successful. So four <laughs> days a week there's some you know skateboarding. Four days a week there's some jujitsu. Four days a week there's some tennis. Yeah. And and then every day some some a little portion of schooling like seven days a week but but it could be just you know twenty minutes and and, and then hyper focused on math and um reading and writing they homeschooled or public yeah homeschooled homeschooled well it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because so they they're actually in a they're in a public school program but we kind of took advantage of the fact that they don't have to, uh, because of the so-called p- uh, pandemic, they didn't have to go to school. Yeah. And so we just, we've never taken to school. We don't do any of the zoom stuff. They just, they send some work home, but like every quarter we just take them to the school and the teacher talks to them. And the teacher yeah. always says, I mean, they're so young. The teacher always says, wow, they have no peer they're, And we do Kumon. Do you know Kumon? Uh-uh. A Japanese program. There's like 30,000 Kumon centers around the uh, globe invented in the fifties. It's basically CrossFit uh, math and CrossFit reading. This guy invented it in the fifties. You basically do these worksheets and they're timed and you yeah. do like 10 to 20 minutes every day. And it goes all the way up to calculus and all the way up to diagramming sentences. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's yeah. Damn, I, yeah. I'm super dyslexic. So I stayed away from school as much as I could. Yeah. I don't blame you. You're doing good. Yeah. Right. Mr. Jared Halbert. Jared Halbert. Um, seven times you've won the tactical games. Yeah, I think it's seven or eight. I, think I knew eight. I'd be wrong. I knew I, I'd be wrong if I tried. I think it might be nine now. I, I don't know. I think it's nine. Yeah, how many have there been? Uh, let's see. There's probably been about 10 a year for the last two and a half years. So there's probably been 20 something. Um, how many have you uh, gone to? Uh, 12. And and you want and you want oh so you know the so have you there's a time when a guy beat you? Yeah, there was. Uh, I I didn't get first three times. Um, Disgusting. Got, Dis- got, is that your first three times? No, I won the first two. Um, and then it actually turned. He turned into a pretty good friend of mine. Uh, I'm sorry. Me. I'm sorry to hear that. He uh, yeah he beat me. Uh, he beat me three times in a row. Um, and then I got a little bit better and started beating him after that. So yeah. uh, what's his name? Anton. Anton. Yep. Hey, uh, is there something that you changed in your training to, to, to overcome him? Yeah. I started running a lot more. That was about it. So it was in the uh, physical component where he was uh, beating you, not in the shooting uh, component. Well, 
so uh, when I first started, I I've been doing CrossFit for like five or six years, and I was the only one that was competing that was using CrossFit because uh-huh. um, I'm not good at CrossFit at all. But um, I was significantly stronger than everybody else, uh, and they were mainly runners, I guess. So <clears throat> I would usually do really well on like three or four of the events, and then get beat pretty bad on the runs. And uh, he was when when he when he showed up, he was decently strong and he could run. So that's why I had to fill, I guess, fill that gap and get better at running. How so, tall are you? Uh, six one. Okay, in some of the pictures, you look like a giant. Like in the pictures when you're uh, next to Tim Burke. Yeah, well, Tim Tim's about five 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 six. Okay, well that makes sense then. Uh, he might be five seven. I don't know. He, he's He's like an average CrossFitter size, I think. So, right <laughs> uh, uh, Jared, um, oh, I, I apologize for the presupposition I'm about to insert in this question, but it's partially mm-hmm. for comedic sake. But, but I am very curious about the answer. What is there ever a time that being hooked up to the city sewage is worse than having a septic? Is a septic ever better? Uh, no, I know. I, no, no, good. Okay, so I, that's a fair presupposition. Yeah, um, it's it's only an option when there is no other options, right? Is yeah, um, but it's. I'm trying to think. I mean, is the there only, a good septic system? Is there a septic system? It's like I've lived here ten years and never had a problem. Yeah, most of them you don't have problems for like seven, ten, ten years right in there. Normally about. Normally about seven to 10 years is when you start having your first issues. And there's, there's some that are better than others, but, um, ideally you have a gravity fed septic system, uh, with the leach field. So, so a gravity septic is when all the, all the components from the guy who's shitting his ass to the toilet, Mm -hmm. to all the piping is higher. Exactly. Then the and does it have to be significantly higher or an angle or is just even a little bit higher is good? Even a little bit higher is good. Have you ever seen it where it's below the shitters below the septic? That can't even be right. You have yeah, seen you that. Have to, you have to install a grinder pump and pump it up to the septic tank, and then you have a, a grinder uh, pump for your deuces. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it goes to the. Uh, it's usually a three t- chamber tank, and then you pump it from the third chamber out to the field. So. It's, it's, all of a sudden your septic's like a cow's stomach yeah hey, we, hey why not why not have a grinder why not have a grinder uh um even if you if you have it installed properly if you're higher just to kind of expedite the decomposition and, and the leaching out into the field and now i'm really in uncharted territory by the way yeah um it's not mm-hmm. necessary it's the it's overkill just totally ridiculous yeah, I never did it. Like, so I started a septic company because I had an irrigation company, which is mm-hmm. clean water, and I made really sure. <laughs> I made sure, really sure that I had like, I was, I was at least seven to ten employees away from having to touch the septic water. Uh, <laughs> but that when the water's in the last chamber, like there's two cha- chamber tanks and there's three ta- chamber tanks and then there's some different kinds of systems. But when it's in the final chamber, it's actually like relatively sanitary. Um, I mean, it doesn't smell good and it doesn't look good, but some people say you can drink it and you would be fine, but I'm, I'm not going to, 
I'm not going to test that. You just take a bucket of that, and do you know what a Berkey is? No. Oh, it's it's a it's a it's a water filter. I wish one of my guys on the back end. I was going to say you just take the water from the last septic and just run it through the Berkey, and you're good to go. <laughs> The Berkey like claims it can clean anything. Hey, so um, what's what is the absolute um uh um? By the way, this is not planned at all. I just love yeah. uh, uh, this is just fascinating to me. So I had a septic at my house, yeah, and I'm the last house before like it's just all country. So I was the last house that could get hooked up to city water, which I didn't do because I don't because I have a well. But I did yep. choose. I paid the money and hooked up to the sewage. Yep. And, and that was and and, I, and we've never had any problems, but um, but so that was smart that I did that, right? Keep the yeah, well, the yeah. water, the hundred fruit trees for free, but yeah. um, during the California's worst droughts, and and I have just all the water I could possibly imagine. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a way to go. And then give my shit to the city. What what's a absolute no no to put in the toilet if you if you uh, have a septic? Uh, feminine products. And then a lot of people mostly get in trouble by putting stuff in their disposal, like fruits. Um, cause then the fruit seeds get out into the septic field and seeds don't decompose in the, the holding tanks. So then they push out into the field and then they clog up the, uh, holes in the pipe or the drip tubing. And, uh, wow. that's what, that's what gets most people is the seeds from fruits. Wow. Fucking brilliant. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, um, how come someone hasn't cracked the code on feminine products? Like, like, why don't we just, you and I should put our heads together after the show and this tampon can be put it flushed anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can be really successful at in business and that's just one thing I don't give a shit about. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. Why isn't, because they have wipes, right? That you can flush. Yeah. Like, you know, the yeah. ones you wipe your kid's ass with when they're babies. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, the to be like a hundred percent safe, you go with the stuff that's like made for, made for RVs. You know what I mean? Cause that's okay. that decompose really quickly. But I think just the nature of the feminine products, I mean that and like diapers and stuff never decompose. So like when aliens find us in 3000 years, we're just going to be like tampons and diapers. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, and is there, is there, is there like a, um, um, I don't know. You know how like they say in your stomach, you you have like a, you, you have an look, look at, look at, look at already. I know, Jeremy, it's fascinating, right? We're supposed to be talking about a guy who could like run you down and, and he's, he's, the, he's the champion in the world of running you down and shooting you or running away from you with your guns. And instead, we're, we're talking about practical shit day to day country <laughs> shit. Um, uh, is there so does that thing have its own? Um, you, you, what's it called? Like your gut has its own biome is that the word i should only use words i know the meaning of but your gut has its own like shit it does to like consume anything you throw in your stomach does that septic tank have its own like hey this is the ideal makeup of, of shit in there that that breaks stuff down yeah it does it has uh there's a lot of bacteria that's working that's breaking stuff down in there and that's why a lot of people will use like uh that liquid plumber or whatever that goes down into the pipes and actually when that gets out into your tanks it kills all that bacteria and stuff and it, it it's counterproductive to at a certain point because it's not you're killing everything in your tanks that are breaking down the organic matter so and, and you would think you'd only want to put stuff down there that since it's going into your yard that i get i mean I, me personally i'm into trees 
uh, fruit tree specifically, you'd only want to put stuff in there that the trees can use, right? Because this, the, that leaches into the field and the plants are consuming it then, right? Yeah, normally you can, a lot of times people won't know where their septic field is and you can walk around and it's the greenest grass and the biggest trees and stuff like that is around the field. Um, it's typically pretty good. I mean, you wouldn't want to like turn it into a garden, but uh, it's, it's typically pretty good for the stuff that's around it. And, and do you still own that business? No, I sold. So I, I actually, I sold that and I sold my landscape and irrigation company all kind of at the same time. And then about a year and a half after that's when I bought the tactical games from Tim. So, um, that's was that, cool. was that a good decision? Um, as a competitor, absolutely not. You know, um, it's crazy that's the first thing i thought when i thought i I was confused i'm like there's no way this guy owns it and competes i just i was just tripping yeah no it's uh it was definitely a struggle for me to because i you know we had just had the first championship right so like i would say so i've won the first two championships and um the first championship i didn't own the tactical games the second one i did uh but I would say it would kind of be like the tactical games was either going to continue or not continue. And either I was going to take it over or it was going to dissolve into nothing. Right. So, Oh um, really? That it was, that's it. That was kind of the trajectory it was on. Yeah. I, I would. So I got to be really good friends with the founder, Tim, who uh-huh. Tim Burke is one of the best men I've ever met in my life. He's a great guy. Um, I met him once, by the way, I, like more than yeah. met him. I went to Africa with him once. Yeah, he's. Uh, do you go to Africa? Maybe. Did you go hunting with him in Africa? No, 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 no. Look at me. Do I fucking don't hunt? I don't know. I mean, um, I, 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 he was, he was guarding me. He was, he was okay. protecting Greg. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. I was the first thing he was going to put between Greg and a bad guy. Yeah, he was going to just throw, pick me up and throw me at the. He, he is one hundred percent the guy you want with you if something is going on that is not safe. Um. But he said so he probably didn't have like the best team around him. Um, you know, uh, Tim was new to business ownership and it's a lot of people don't understand that just about every business turns into the same exact thing. If you're good enough or successful enough and you're behind a computer doing spreadsheets and accounting and all, all the stuff that he didn't want to be doing. And uh, so after you know, I had volunteered and helped with him and he called me and I started kind of helping him with the business side of things. And after a while, he's just like, Hey man, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, it was about, I think uh, almost two years now to the date that he had that conversation with me. And, uh, that's when we started talking about it, but I would say, and I'm not equating myself, but like, obviously our audience is a CrossFit audience. So I would say it'd be like, Froning or Frazier after they had won once or twice, knowing that they can take over CrossFit and the sport continues, um, or they cannot take it over, the sport's over. But they, you know, but then you throw in the factor of like, you still have a lot of good years left of competition in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely a weird, in I'm, I am separated by the programming process um, completely, uh, but that's because you're a competitor. 
Yes. So okay. when when I'm competing, I am 100% separated from the uh, programming process. Uh, it's not hard to know. Like competitors can pretty much guess. Not not guess, but like it's like CrossFit. You know, you know that you're you're going to have like clean and jerks and snatches and you know all this other stuff going on. Uh, you just don't know how many, how heavy, how you know whatever it is. So, uh, but now there's. There's Jake Mazel that works for me. He actually um, was like a f- equipment four lead at the CrossFit Games for quite a while. Okay. Um, oh, that's nice. Okay. So he's the one that programs all the events, and he pro he he does like a couple weeks ago. We had an event in Sawmill. I had no idea what we were doing. I flew in Friday, took a look uh, at everything. You know, said it was good, and then I left Sunday. Is that an issue? Do you get accused of that? Is that is that, oh, is that is, yes. 100%. Okay, because you brought it up. I would have never even thought of that. But so you, so you just, that's like something you bring up because it's like, hey, listen, I'm not, uh, isn't that crazy? On one hand, if it wasn't for you, this thing fucking wouldn't be going on. On the second hand, it's like, hey, he shouldn't be competing. He's on the inside. Yeah, but I mean. The, How old are you? 36. Oh, okay. Um, the, the thing about. You kind of look like Ben Bergeron a little bit. Does anyone ever told you that? Ben Bergeron. No. You know who that is? Yeah, I know okay. who he is. All right. Um, the you're like a version that didn't show you're like the unshowered version of him unkempt <laughs> like if he lost like if he went camping that's what you look like the the if ben went camping if he grew like six inches and gained 50 pounds um <laughs> the, the uh no it's it but the thing about it is even before i owned the tactical games i was friends with tim just because i got to be friends with them and i was i'd volunteer when i wasn't competing and stuff like that and there's accusations before that that I'm sure it happens in CrossFit too. Like, oh the- yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this always. They were telling us that we we were trying to make Rich win every year. We were trying yeah, to make that, Matt win every year. It was like it was kind of the opposite too. Yeah, in the first, which is kind of crazy. The first championship, there was you know, me and Antone, who historically had we had won every competition up until that point. I think either he or I that we were competing in together had won every competition up until that point. And they said that the, we were, he and I weren't doing well after the first day and a half or something. And, uh, then a couple of events came up, we did really well in them and got back up on top and immediately the accusations of protecting the podium came up and they're just trying to get these guys back up to the top and all that. I mean, it happens in every sport and you just gotta look past it and keep going. So, right. Are you love, are you loving this? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I love shooting. I mainly love the, the two way community, you know? Um, what's that? No, no, I don't know what that is. What do you mean? Two way community? What's that? Uh, second amendment community, like, Oh, okay. Firearms, stuff like that. And then I, I started CrossFit probably six, seven years ago and I opened an affiliate about three months ago. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I love it, dude. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Good. Um, Sorry, that and, was just me. That's just me being a baby over here. So I guess, you know, it's just, it's a good way to bring everything together. Because, I mean, the tactical game is really what it is, is fitness and shooting. I mean, if you like working out and you like shooting, it's a, it's combining those two things. So, but. What is the, what is the Second Amendment? Okay, I want to pull up the Second Amendment. Let me pull up the Second. Do you know it off the top of your head? Like, do you have it memorized? Uh, it's for the people, the, the right for the people to own guns. In so many words, but, um, 
A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, it says REV 1992. Was it revised? I don't know. It's it's so short. Yeah. They should have spent a little bit more time on it, probably. <laughs> uh, oh, um, what does the Second Amendment mean in simple terms? This is all just Google shit. Uh, the Second Amendment protects an individual. That's like me or you, right? Yep. Uh, right to possess a firearm. That's um, uh, a gun, right? With bullets. Yep. Uh, yep. Unconnected with service. In a militia, meaning like just you and I can have one just like under our bed. Yes. I, I guess, if, I guess. And, and to use that arm for traditionally, traditionally lawful purposes, like um, competitions, uh, shooting bears that are attacking your family and hunting. Yep. And, and uh, such as self-defense within the home. I mean, really like the overlooked, and I don't get into like the extremist side of really anything, but the overarching purpose of the Second Amendment is to protect you protect you from your government government and tyranny i mean that's everybody's like oh you know it's for hunting and it's for target shooting really what it is is to protect you from your government uh, how, how come people um don't understand and you're talking to like i'm telling you you're talking to like just one of the most hardcore um uh former liberals you've ever fucking met i mean i was fucking born and raised in oakland berkeley right yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm sorry that I was even born and that I'm alive. <laughs> no, man. It's the funny thing. Why is the fuck can't these people understand? What is the biggest, like, I, I just think now, after what we saw happen in the last two years, after watching what happened in Canada, after watching what happened in Australia, I would think everyone, or, or, or the UK, I would think everyone in the world would be like, oh my God, they did it right over there. Thank yeah, God right. they have guns over. Thank God the U.S. had guns. If we didn't have guns, the whole world might be fucked. It might all be just like Hong Kong. Maybe the. Uh, I think Ukraine's a pretty good example. They immediately started passing guns out to civilians. Um, but uh, too too little, too late, too little. Too yeah. late. But 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 I hear you. But I hear you. The uh, it's the 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 funny thing is, and, and I'm not gonna. Yes, I'm please gonna, do. I'm please not gonna do. mention names, but there's there's been a couple of CrossFitters come over and spend time with Hepner. Um, one of them who previously hated firearms and didn't think anybody needed them and stuff like that. And he went out and spent a day on the range and he's like, man, I love this. This is, you know, it, cause people don't realize how fun it, it, it is super fun. And it's like golf just with guns. You're shooting targets. I mean, that, that's all it is. And but doing MDMA is fun too. I mean, it's awesome. I don't know what MDMA is is that? It, 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 yeah, it's ecstasy. It's like you get some, you get a bag of that, and five <laughs> of your closest girlfriends, and you just run out into a field. But, <laughs> but, 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 but beyond fun, the guns are like they're so important. Yeah, they're yeah. so important in terms of of equalizing the field, making yeah. everyone think twice before you do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Before you, before you infringe on another man's uh, 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 rights, like I would have never, I, I would, I, my whole life, I never thought I would hurt anyone, and then I have kids, and um, like you would have to die if you came in my house at night. Yeah, I mean, with my, with my the, kids here, you just, I, it's, the there's a lot of people that say like a, a tackle games competition weekend is a perfect example. There's 200, 250 men and women out there who are all super physically fit. There's, um, I mean, everybody is super nice, but 
from the outside looking in, you're looking at these guys like, oh my God, you know, this guy probably looks like an asshole. Nobody gets in arguments. Nobody, everybody has a good time. Everybody's joking around. Everything is 100% like the nicest, most welcoming community of people you could ever, like you could walk up to them and say, I hate guns. I think that, you know, the right to have guns, you shouldn't have them, anything like that. Like, cool, man, sit down. Let's talk about it. Like it's, the most welcoming group of people that you will, and people from all walks of life, all there's liberals, there's conservatives, everything out there. And uh, that's the, all that to say is that when you know that you're around armed people, you're a lot less likely to be an asshole um, and, uh, and do something stupid. So, so I, I have a ton of liberal friends. They say they're liberal, but but they're not liberal, and they just can't give up the label. Um, by by that I mean, um, uh, imagine imagine. And I'm sorry to be so extreme, but it's just it's just really easy. Imagine saying that you're a Nazi, but the only thing that you didn't like is that one part about loading the Jews up in the trains and taking them over to that to the ovens. Other than that, it's great. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like that, like more and more liberals are like, oh, I, I, I'm a Democrat. And I'll be like, well, what about this BLM thing? That's only, that's only hurt black people for the last two years. Well, I, I didn't like that. Okay. Well, what about this part over here about, um, defund the police? Oh, I didn't like that. It's like, Hey, when are you going to realize that? Like, Hey, um, you're not that I don't get how, and, and I'm not asking you to defend all liberals by the way, but I don't get, and I'm not, I'm sorry for making it political, but I don't get how someone could be for the um uh second amendment and claim to be a liberal i just I, I for some reason there's a there's a disconnect there like they need to rethink their there's there's a nuance there right it's like i used to watch football i i, I used to think i was a football fan until i realized that i was really only a 49er and a raider fan i watched every 49er and raider game when i was in junior high but if they didn't go to the super bowl i didn't watch the super bowl because i didn't give a fuck i just like yeah. my team and it's kind of like that. I just feel like that there's some. Um... I think it's just it's important to understand that, like, you know, to look at everything. You don't have to be on one side or the other about everything. Right. You can, OK. You can you can believe in um, high taxes for wealthy people and think that you should own a gun. You, both of those things. You can have both of those things in your. Absolutely. Get along. Um, so like maybe you're a liberal cause you're more fiscally liberal. That doesn't mean that just because you're going to vote de Democrat means you have to hate people with guns too. Right. Um, so that's why you're a good dude. You're a better man than me. <laughs> you're the son my mom wish she had, <laughs> but it's uh, I think it's important not to just get blinded by a couple of things. Um, and then, and then say that now I have to believe in all of those things. Right. That this is, that this is your team. And no matter what they say, you're going to follow it blindly. Exactly. Yes. The, these, um, the, have the tactical games always been both sexes? Yeah. The first, I think it was the first two. Um, she actually still competes. She got third in the last, uh, so we have like, seven to 10 events during the year that are kind of comparable to what like the regionals were probably okay the championship um so are these the um okay and i'm looking at them it's, it's on it's the upcoming events i'll pull them up yeah. sorry go on but uh her name's carla herzik she i think she competed in the first ever and i want to say she was one i want to say she was the only one in one of the first two 
And then she was one of like one or two in the second or first one. But about a year. So when I bought the tactical games, the first thing that we did is we implemented um, a women's only tactical games university is what we called it. But it was a weekend where we sent an instructor out. It was free for the women to come. I think up to 20 is what we allowed. Um, They came, they learned how to use, they learned how to shoot guns. They learned, you know, the different processes, how to be safe, how to unload the gun and make sure it's safe, stuff like that. Um, When we started doing that, the conversion rate from the people that came to the Tactical Games Universities to actual coming to the competition was almost 100%. So now we have between probably 15 and 20 women at each competition, uh, which in the firearm, like the competitive shooting sphere is a pretty, that's a, it's about double of what you might see at like a three gun match per se. So, so it's kind of, it's a, um, not a recruiting program would be too, too hard, but basically it's a, um, kind of like a familiarization know. or like confidence boosting. Like, yeah. What about you should have, you should have another one on um, pussies from Berkeley. And so I could go. <laughs> Like, uh, um, uh, but, but you could, you don't, you don't have to be that exclusive. You could include Boston. Yeah. Boston yeah. and Berkeley. That would be good. <laughs> hey, one, of, one, of the best one of the best competitors we have is from Boston. He's a chiropractor from Boston. He, he has all the testosterone in the whole entire town. Um, uh, well, okay. So, so I, I, I like that. And, and, and you do that every year. That's an open course. Is, is that, where yeah, is that held? Um, all over the country. We had, we actually had, uh, I think we had three or four of them that we rented the range out, sent an instructor up there. It's Tess Salb. She, uh, amazing person in the, like in the industry, um, really good shooter. She's won several times. Um, we send her around and, um, it's between 15 and 20 people per, and I think we had four last year and, we're kind of revamping that programming or re- revamping that program and renaming it and putting it back out. And actually one of the, one of the guy that runs the program comes from CrossFit, Zach Forrest. Oh a- yeah. I love Zach. Yes. Yeah. Uh, former um, S- seal out of, uh, he owned CrossFit Las Vegas. Yeah. I think it was CrossFit. Oh, why am I? Yes. But it was, yes. he, had, he had like four gyms. Yeah, he's one of the greatest movers I've ever seen. By the way, it's it's, it's yeah. burned into my head. Like him yeah. and Spieler and James Hobart, what great so, movers! We always, I, I've got, I've got memes about him and J- James Hobart. And, uh, <laughs> they, they look exactly the same. Um, they should definitely have a kid together. <laughs> I'm gonna text both of them and tell them that after the show. I think I still have Zach's number. It's okay. 2022 they can do it but he he runs he runs the whole training side so like we have a a training app that it puts out daily programming and uh then the tactical games university we're rebranding it to something else but he's the ones in charge of all that um it's appropriate right i mean he he checks he checks all the boxes and um he's incredibly knowledgeable in fitness i mean just yeah yep he's he's a good dude so. so, so this is such a cool program. So basically four times a year, there's a, there's a, is it a one day or two day course? How many days is, is the course? It's two day course, Saturday and Sunday. And it's, and it's in different places throughout the country. And it's basically women can come and sign up free. They're yep. in an all woman environment. And basically they get um, hands on with a, um, 
the guns and do they do a little bit of fitness too at the same time? Like, Hey, this is kind of the, the whole tactical. A game little bit. Um, to be a hundred percent honest with you. Um, there's not a whole lot of like world-class shooters like Tess around and some of the other people. So we spend a whole lot of time on shooting. And when it comes to the fitness thing, we seriously just tell them like, Hey, if you need to learn how to pick up a sandbag or an axle bar or all these things, um, run over and pay a CrossFit coach like $50 for an hour of instruction and find a CrossFit gym and they'll teach you how to do all this stuff. Uh, cause pretty much no matter where you're at in the country, you're always within like an hour of 10 CrossFit gyms. Um, right. Th- that's true. So, but having access to a world-class shooter is not always available. So oh, is this girl's name a uh, test shoot for gold? Is that her? Yep. Yep. That's her. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I just, uh, Oh, okay. Her account's private. Okay, so she's on a whole nut. Oh, yeah, six times tactical games winner, competitive shooter, CrossFitter, coach, Notre Dame alum. Okay, so she's she's top of the food chain for the ladies. It's one of the smartest people I know, too. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. You'd you'd want the person to. She was yeah. actually uh, she did with CrossFit. I think she was one of the people on the seminar staff, like real early. Um. I can't tell what she looks like by this picture too. Cause you know, she's got a gun in front of her face and the glasses and her hair's all pulled up. The thing is about all the shooters and, um, we're all shadow banned, like super seriously. Oh, so, um, a lot of people have a private accounts and stuff like that to try and prevent like getting kicked off at Instagram. Um, right. Cause it happens a lot. So, so the second amendment protects you, but Instagram. <laughs> yeah. like um what a weird world we live in to find like a really good shooter um yeah hey you would you would you these are the shooters you would want to have out there so that you could um change the reputation of firearms because right now firearms is this absolutely yeah right and 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 rap music why not have this um, uh, geeky girl who's showing like, um, you know, she, she, she's intelligent. She trains. She's probably got this job. She does this. She's probably raising kids. And then, and then on the side, she's also like a professional showing her cleaning her gun. I mean, it's a, uh... I think that it it's be, nuts. It, it would be like if they outlawed all physicists from, po- from posting because they make nuclear bombs. It's like, wait a minute. I think the, the, uh, the community of people that compete in these would shock most people. Um, most of it is like in the tactical games, we're pretty much, it's about 33% law enforcement, 33% uh, military and 33% civilian. And from those things, a lot of it is retired military or previously, you know, just recently retired military. Um, and then law enforcement, there's, there's a lot of people that are definitely still SWAT cops that are doing it. Uh, but a lot of them are doctors and dentists and CPAs and it's, uh, it's, it's a, a lot of highly educated people that are there. Um, did you, were you in law enforcement or in the military? No. When, when did you, well, how old were you when you first uh, shot a gun? Uh, I, sh- I, th- I shot, I shot my first deer when I was six. Wow. It was for me. I, I growing up, it, I had to learn that everybody didn't have guns around. Like my dad was not a gun fanatic at all. Like we just, we had guns to hunt with and that's it. And did you I, have one like just set by the door? Was it like that? I mean, did you live somewhere I mean, like that? When like my shotgun went, was behind the door and 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I had guns in my closet since I was six or seven. And then when my dad would go out of town, he brought a shotgun upstairs and set it under my bed. And I was the one, like, I knew how to use a gun and I was the one in the house. So, um, but it wasn't, it was never like, uh, I think people have this perception in their mind that like this gun is just this elephant in the room. Um, but for me growing up and for my kids, like I may have, you know, a gun in my office and they come in and it's just, it's like a computer screen sitting there. It's just something else that's sitting there. They don't like, they don't look at it. They don't touch it. They, they don't care about it. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of it's an education thing as well. So it's, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's so interesting how perceptions are made. Um, my, my, my sister, um, coming from California and my sister married into a family in Texas mm-hmm. and the difference be, and so I, I made a few trips out to Texas. I met those people, they would come to California and they're like, you know, they're like, like real Texans, you know what I mean? Like people on ranches and shit and people in Dallas and business. And it was so, it was, it was so incredible how they were, they were like almost like a different, they they had a whole different breed of civility and kindness. And, you know, if someone, if you're, if you're having dinner and someone enters the room, especially a woman, everyone stands up, all the dudes stand up and just all of the, the way they would treat my mom. And it's, but, but you never hear any of that stuff. It's, 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 it's fascinating the cultural differences and what you think, what you're being told by the media versus then when you experience it, it's, it's just that th- there's not even a small match, right? It's not even a, um, it's, but the culture in Texas is changing a lot. Um, yeah, sure. I could see that. I, I was, mean, is all the Californians move out there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And well, hopefully they'll learn. Hopefully they won't change it. Hopefully they'll assimilate. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I grew up here. I was born about 30 minutes away from where I live. So I haven't gone very far, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's been a huge cultural shift for sure. Um, so we actually kind of moved out of kind of from Austin or North Austin round rock area. And we, we moved about 45 minutes further North to kind of get away from it. So even, 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 um, Southern California is significantly different than Northern California. I went to school at UC Santa Barbara and I remember my friends in, um, who were from, who I made there from Southern California, they were always surprised when I said hi to people. Yeah. Cause that's what you do in, in Northern California. You're walking down the sidewalk and you pass someone, you would say hi to them. Like, even if you don't know them, like you just say, Hey, make eye contact. And they don't do that in LA. It's kind of like, look away. Yeah. And maybe it's cause they have so many people, right? You just can't do it to like New York city. You couldn't do it to everyone. You'd be like, Hey, 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 you'd be fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard one time it's like the, the healthy amount of people is like six people per square mile and whatever that means healthy. And, but in New York city, it's like 440,000 people per square mile. Yeah. That's the, I can't even get my head wrapped around that. Yeah. It's a, I've got a ranch in West Texas and, and you can be out there for a week and not see anybody. Um, yeah, that's what my that's where my sister is now. She's in West Texas and she runs a ranch for some fa- for fancy people who who have hunters come who pay to come out and hunt the land. Yeah, that's a pretty common thing. So yeah, she loves it. Yeah, it uh, it's a good way to live a low low stress lifestyle. That's for sure. Yeah, my three nephews out there, like it, by the time they were like ten, they were already like men. They knew it, like they knew guns. They knew how. To, they're not afraid of rattlesnakes. They ride motorcycles. They drive cars. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they're like by ten years old, they're more competent than I was at now. 
Yeah, it's a learning to drive really early and doing all that other stuff. It's pretty common. Yeah. Well, um, I, I heard you say in 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 a, in a video I was watching that uh, you talked about the importance of grip strength. Yep. Did I hear that right? Okay. Why why grip strength in um in for for the tactical games? Um, it's one of the easiest ways to um, a lot of the stuff that we do and that differs, I guess, from CrossFit is so you can, it's, it's mainly, it's a kind of fitness that you can always take one more step. Right. Um, and it's just making a mental decision on whether or not you're going to endure the pain that you're in. Um, so a lot of stress carries and then grip strength is one of the easiest ways to get into somebody's mind. Right. Cause when your grip starts to go, it becomes, you can always hang on to something, especially way longer than you think you can. It's just whether or not you're willing to keep hanging on. Um, and then also it's one of the most overlooked aspects of fitness. Like, uh, in CrossFit, a lot of people, um, get really used to hook gripping everything all the time. So they might be extremely strong, but they're, grip gets fatigued really quick and for those of you who don't know hook grip is when you put your uh, index finger over your thumb right as a kind yep. of a lock is that what you're saying okay yeah yeah um so a lot of the implements that we use like we use the fat axle bar and then farmers carries bars and um jerry cans the it, they're too they're too big around to hook grip it um so you just have to use just a, i guess a conventional grip I don't, I don't know what you call it but uh that's and it's important in everything from carrying sandbags, carrying yokes, lifting stuff, carrying stuff. Uh, it's more about carrying weight over distance than it is uh, reps for time. If that makes sense. And, yeah. And so there's a lot of that you're saying in those events. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have kids? Yeah, I got two kids. And how old are they? Uh, six and 11. Oh, seven, okay. Uh, seven and 11. Okay, because I also heard you say that, that your kids, one of the reasons, um, I think if I heard it right, one of the reasons you sold your business and you sort of moved in the direction that you've moved is so that you could still spend time, more time with them while they're at, at influential age. Yep, yep. Uh, when I when I was running my landscape and irrigation company, I was out of the house about 5 o'clock and I wasn't back to probably 8 p.m. And uh, I was missing out on, I was missing out on a lot. So, um owning a business isn't all it's cracked up to be sometimes. So I, uh, one of the main reasons why I got out of that was not only that, but also the stress, um, dealing with huge contracts and people not paying you on time and stuff like that. It, it, uh, it definitely ages you early. Um, one of my good friends that is still in the construction industry always said that we come back home every day, 1% more of an asshole. So, um, <laughs> I guess I had reached that breaking point, so I needed to find a new direction. <laughs> you were a hundred and ten percent asshole. I, I bring up the kids because from a from before my kids were born, I hung rings in the living room, mm-hmm. and so my kids have grown up hanging. Yeah, and when they were about three years old, uh, I saw, oh shit, my kids are t- totally different from all other kids and yeah. everything they do for two reasons. One, because their grip strength is just absolutely nuts and they have crazy confidence in their hands. And when you have confidence in your hands, like until you have confidence in your hands or you don't have confidence in your hands, you can't even understand really what I'm saying. And I think you understand. Yep. Um, it changes the whole landscape. Everything's everything's climbable. The biggest tree, the any chain link fence, fucking anything once you have confidence in your hands. And then the second thing, their core strength. 
They have yeah. crazy core awareness because as soon as you start hanging, your feet come in front of you. And so, and I still have, you know, my kids are five and seven and they still hang every single day. And yeah. it's, it's made them just, I, I, I used to talk about it all the time. I don't talk about it so much anymore, but I can't emphasize how it's just made them. They're not human. They're mm -hmm. not, they're nothing like any other human being I've ever seen because they're, they're like monkeys. They just hang. They can just hang. Yeah. I think with, especially my, my daughter and my son, it's becoming important. Um, but I always encourage her to do multiple things, not just get good at one thing. So I mean, yes. she, she played, she was, she did gymnastics, cheerleading, volleyball, basketball. Um, she shoots a bow. She shoots guns. Um, she paints her nails. Like she's a super girly girl. Um, but she also can pick up a full size pistol and load it and shoot targets with it. Um, Does she paint your nails? No. No, she's never I, painted your toes. She's never painted my toes. No, she uh, she paints her mom's nails, but she doesn't. Awesome. <laughs> but if she said, "Dad, could I paint your toes?" You would be like, "Yes, ma'am. You could do what you want, wouldn't you?" I don't know. Probably not. Nah, she. <laughs> I bet you she could do whatever she wants. You might run away, but she'd catch you. <laughs> yeah. You, you pretend to run away so you had a good story. I ran. She tackled me. Yeah. Next yeah. thing I know, I had pink nails. <laughs> yeah. Um, your when when you sell when you sell a business like that, um, it, does it, it it changes everything? I, I mean, I guess the first thing I think of is, is like you have two kids. Does your wife work? Yeah, she's a pharmacist. Oh, well, that's cool. That's nice. Um, and, and, and are you basically a full time dad now? Uh, no, I mean, or do you try wife, to be? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm. I mean, I'm here every day. The most important thing to me is that. I'm here every day when my kids get off the bus. I put them on the bus most mornings. Uh, you know, I'm and and when I'm here, I'm present, and that's the main thing. Because uh, when when I had a bunch of employees when I had the irrigation company, and they would call in septic company, and they would call me. I got my first phone calls at four fifteen, four thirty a.m., and I got my last phone calls at like ten p.m. So I was never off the clock, and. Uh, it, it, it was never really a situation where we'd go on vacation and I had to step away for two or three times for an hour to make calls, make arrangements, you know, put out fires, stuff like that. So, I mean, not, not to say that owning the tactical games isn't a full-time job, but it's definitely compartmentalized. I can turn it off, you know, at like four o'clock I can turn it off and I don't have to pay attention to it anymore um, until the next day. Uh, then competition weekends, we have <clears throat> a really good team put together now. So I normally don't get there till about midday Friday. Um, and then I usually try and find a flight out late on Sunday. So I'm not, I'm not gone, you know, but two days, three days. So what does that, well. what does that mean to be present? Um, present. So um, not only like physically there, but mentally you're engaged with your kids. Um, so you're not just sitting in the room, but you're spaced out thinking about what you have to do the next day at work. Like you're, you're present with them. So anyway, that's important to me. It's, it's interesting. I, I would always claim that I'm like hyper present with my kids, but, um, but I, but I'm always, but I multitask like a mofo too. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I take, yeah. I take them to the skate park and then make phone calls. Yeah. And then I, and then I do laps around the skate park. Until yeah. one of them calls me and goes, can you help me with this? And then I get off the phone and go down there and help them. Do you do this? Do you do skateboarding too or no? No. 
Okay. I, I'm, I, you know, when they say, um, like you should never live your life vicariously through your kids, you should never make your kids yeah. do the shit that you wish you'd have done. I'm, I am that. Okay. Like I, my kids do jujitsu because I'm a pussy. My kids do skateboarding because I'm terrified of skateboards. They do dancing because I'm terrified of dance. You know what I mean? It's all the stuff. They're, they're. I hope they thank me for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope everyone else is wrong and I'm right. I played, I played golf uh, through college, and that's what uh, one of them tried to start picking up golf clubs one day. I was like, "No, nah, we're gonna let's put those down. Let's not, let's not do that." <laughs> let's not. Oh, oh, and why is that? Man, uh, golf is a, uh, so you think it's unhealthy. You think golf's like yeah. a pathology. It's, it's yeah. like, it's a sickness. Um, it's not a real, <laughs> it's so like, there's no, there golf is a 365 day a year sport and it's four to six hours a day, every day. If you take a week off, you're a month behind when you get back. Um, oh, wow. And it's a mental illness. Like you, you, to, to be good at golf, you have to have a mental illness for it. Um, like I, I would, I would say almost with certainty that just about everybody that's a touring pro has some sort of mental illness that keeps them able to do that for so long. Um, I feel like tennis has a lot of wackadoodles in it. Uh, I mean, I think that, that that could be, I think it probably could be said to the same thing um, with anybody at the top of any sport to a degree. Um, but I think but even that, the beginners at tennis, like if you go to local courts, everyone's a fucking freak, like just an yeah. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Just like uh, the, even the old ladies are talking shit to you. Like, you can't have more than <laughs> 10 bowls on the court. Okay. Okay. <laughs> have more than 10 balls on the court. Or what? Like, like they got all these rules. Yeah. Like, so I'll show up there with like a, t- a whole bucket of balls and they're like, are you giving lessons? And I'm like, no. They're like, well, then why do you need so many balls? I'm like, just just because it's the it's how I carry my balls. She's like, well, you can't have that many balls out here. I'm like, okay, ma'am, I'll only have I'll only pull four out. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, it's nuts. It's a savage. It's the oh. exact opposite of what you said about the shooting community at the tactical yeah. games. No one is nice. You, you'll show up to someone. You'll show up at the tennis courts 20 minutes before the next guy waiting for a court, and a court yeah. will open, and someone behind you will try to take it. And, like, literally you will have to – and this is regular. You'll have to say, uh, I was here 20 minutes before you. And then they'll be like, well, how long are you going to be out there? And you'll be like, well, the sign says I have 90 minutes, but I'm not in very good shape, so I'm guessing 35. I mean, it is nuts. So they don't want you to litter the whole court with the balls. That's, that's they, uh, Who even knows what the reason is? I think they're just looking for a reason just to be an asshole to you. <laughs> like, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait till my kids are old enough to beat up these old ladies. <laughs> So, like, grown men will try and kick kids off of a tennis court. Oh, they'll try to kick you off. It's nuts. It's nuts. It, it, it is a, it is a, and I, and I didn't know this about it, about that community. That community is not cool. The jujitsu community kind of feels like the, the, the jujitsu gym feels more like how tactical games feel. I go there and 99% of the people there are so fucking cool. There's always some weirdo there who's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. But like, that's a nice group of men. No posturing, help your kids. Like if you, if your car broke down somewhere, you wouldn't want it to be at the tennis courts. You want it to be at the jujitsu gym. Someone would run over with a pair of jumper cables like that. That's a hundred percent how the tactical games is like. Yeah. I think, uh, but, but uh, the public perception of that is different, right? You would think that, oh, well, tennis is a high, you know, high profile proper sport and this and that. And for jujitsu is just a bunch of like aggressive men. But when you actually get to know the people that are doing it, you would much rather assimilate yourself with somebody in a jujitsu gym or, you know, a competitive shooter or something like that than 
a guy off a golf course because there there's a lot of assholes on golf too so yeah i, w- I would guess uh, yeah it's funny you say that um you could go to the jujitsu gym and someone would share their water with you at tennis they never would or um i mean the jujitsu gym stayed open through the pandemic yeah like no one like everyone there's like has personal responsibility and personal accountability and, and is and would look out for themselves or all the other shit's like shutting down even though lot, they were supposed to shut down they just don't they're like fuck you a lot of the I think a lot of the undertone is also a mutual respect for somebody else that can like really hurt you. Right. Um, so like, you don't want to be a jerk to somebody that, you know, we let's all just be nice. We don't have to prove anything. Right. So, um, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, how, so you've owned, how long have you owned the tactical games? Um, I took over uh, January 1st of 2021. So oh, okay. So it's new. Um, is that when when you sell your business and you move to this, how does that affect your uh, relationship with your wife? I'm assuming it's like this is like a big discussion. I got – she was 100% about me getting out of construction because, um, I mean, I I don't do really – Construction well. or landscape and septic tanks or so that's like, kind of you lump it all up in there? Yeah, so when you say I was a lands- – I owned a landscaping company, people, their perception in their mind is like you're planting tulips. Yeah. But, uh, You're we building fences and brick walls and stuff. Yeah, we were doing like uh, 300,000 to $1.5 million jobs. So I, okay. we we're doing concrete leveling site prep uh, all from a to B the whole, the whole deal. Um, but uh, it was just, it was one, it was really dangerous. Um, there's always a risk of somebody getting hurt on the job sites. Uh, it was very stressful. There's a lot of, hard to deal with people in that industry. And, um, she was 100% ready for me to get out of it. It was more so like, I have a lot of energy and I have to direct that energy towards things or it can become unhealthy. And I had been out of it for probably like four or five months and I needed something to do. Um, so I was already, it kind of, it just, it honestly just lined up really well, um, with timing for me. Uh, Cause I was definitely going to start doing something. I just didn't know what it was at the time. And, uh, it just lined up and it worked out. So why did you start your landscape business? Um, I graduated, uh, with a degree in psychology in 2008. And no shit. If you, you went to college for psychology. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we have to circle back around to you. You don't like attention. You, you're hate, you hate podcasts, right? Um, it's a necessary thing for me to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't, and I'm not saying this about like smoke up your skirt. I, I get asked to go on a lot of podcasts and I say no most of the time. I I mean, it's, it's very, I mean, I I like you a lot. Like if you were my neighbor, I would make it a project to bug the shit out of you. I'd visit (laughs) you like once a week, just like at dinner time when I know it hated you just because I would just need to just see your reaction. But you, yeah, you're very, um, you're, you're not, I mean, you're, I mean, you're far from rude. You're clear, you're clearly a gentleman, but you are, um, extremely, uh, reserved. Yeah. For the front, for the front man of the tactical games. The, I, I think one, I've never had a boss. Um, my dad was, look at, look at someone said this right here. So look at this. He, he hates it. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Ah, <laughs> uh, he's humble as fuck. I agree. I agree. I get both those vibes. Okay, sorry. So you had a boss. Uh, Say it again. I've I've never had a boss. Well, I guess in college I did. Um, but so in college I worked for an irrigation company in Abilene, which is like kind of West Texas. Uh-huh. And, I, that, uh huh. My 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 sister lived there. Okay. Yeah. At one that's point, where, she ran a ranch outside of Abilene. Okay. Yeah. So I played. That's where our, our ranch is, just outside of Abilene. Um, but I played golf at Abilene Christian University, and then I got kicked out of Abilene Christian University um, after two years. Because uh, of grades? Uh, no. Um, Girls? I it was a I was there on a golf scholarship, and you have to really, really behave yourself. And I wasn't used to really behaving myself. Um, I didn't do anything crazy. I was just being a normal person, but, uh, like drinking and driving the golf okay. cart, like just stuff not, like that. Not the driving part, but the drinking part, definitely. Okay. Um, so the, uh, God college was fun. Yeah. So 2008 was the middle of like that recession. And I tried to get a job just about everywhere around Austin. And the only thing that I knew how to do was fix sprinkler systems and mow grass. So I started doing repairs for a local, uh, maintenance company that mows a bunch of grass. Mm-hmm. I started doing a bunch of repair. I got licensed for it, for it in Texas and started doing a bunch of repairs and I kept looking for good jobs. And then next thing you know, I had 50 employees and built a life around it. And that's how that happened. Um, how, how do you get your first employee? You're doing it. And, and one of your, your homeboys is like, dude, I don't got a job. And you're like, Hey dude, I'll pay you 10 bucks an hour. Fucking trape around with me and do whatever I say. It was uh, one of the most humbling things I've ever done in my life because I think a lot of people take it lightly when they hire somebody. But when I Saul was the first guy that I hired, and Canelo Alvarez, huh? Did you say Saul? Saul, yeah, yeah, that's uh-huh. Canelo Alvarez's real name. Oh, okay, oh, Saul. you know who that is, right? The great, yeah. the redhead. Okay, yeah. okay. Saul got a. You almost ruined my joke. Go on, <laughs> Saul. Um, I got to where I was doing like two sprinkler systems a week by myself. And it's really hard to install a sprinkler system, a lot of digging trenches and stuff. And uh, I was doing it all by myself. And then when I got to where I was doing about three a week, I hired Saul to help me like on Thursdays and Fridays to finish up the last one. Is your body hurting to do three a week? Yeah. Like you're just sore and beat up. Even as a young man, it's just fucking too much. Yeah. And your hands I mean, hurt and, in Texas, it's like 110 degrees outside. But uh, anyway, so. Do you have your wife at this point? This is 2008. Do you have your, your, you have yeah. your wife? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, anyway, I he asked me about just him coming and doing it and him bringing a friend. And um, initially, I didn't realize how big of an like undertaking it is to hire somebody. But when you're hiring somebody, like he had a kid, he had a wife. Like now I'm responsible the, the decisions that I make when I wake up in the morning are affecting three people's livelihoods. And then next thing you know, I had 30 employees, then 50, then 60. And like I sat down one day and figured it out to make sure I was keeping myself accountable when I woke up every morning. And I was responsible for the livelihood of like 360, 380 people, um, you know, from their kids getting shoes to go to school um, to the food that was going on their table, to the kids soccer games that they're paying for to be part of a league. Like all of that depended on me waking up in the morning and making good decisions and being responsible. And uh, yeah, 
Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a, uh, an undertaking and a responsibility that I think a lot of business owners miss early in their career. Or the reason why they're not successful is that it's a lot easier to do your job when you sit around and think about all the kids that are out there that want the, the dress for their dance and stuff right. like that. And that, that depends on you doing your job really well. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's how I, I also, I started my hours in training. I, I graduated from the university of Oklahoma and, uh, I started my hours in training for my, uh, what do they call it to become a counselor. And <clears throat> a kid came in and was telling me about what was going on at his house and, I decided I was going to take the problem into my own hands with his dad. And oh, shit. What, wait, wait, wait. How did we get to this? What year is this? It's 2008. But that's so, that's so you're that's, doing that and the sprinkler thing. No, no, no. This was right, right when I was graduating from college. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, Sorry. Okay. That's when I decided that I couldn't be a counselor because I almost, I almost beat the guy up in the parking lot. I called the cops instead. But, uh, that's when I realized that. So, can you? So what did this kid tell you that happened? He was being abused at home, uh, sexually or physically. Um, both. And so you went over and ha- you went and you you found out where his dad is and you went and talked to him. His dad was out in the waiting room and the. Uh, oh shit! The oh, protocol. Shit! Oh yeah. shit! This is crazy. This yeah. is like some movie shit. So the the protocol is is you just contact the authorities and you sit and wait until you get there. But I had seen what had happened a few times and, you know, that like they're just back out doing the same shit two weeks, two weeks later. And yeah. so that's when that that whole structure of events is how I decided that wasn't for me, that I, you know, my both my sisters do it and they're absolutely saints for what they do. Like everybody in that profession, it's the amount of mental fortitude that you have to have to be able to listen to some of that stuff and not react is un- unbelievable. So. Oh man, I know better than to go here, but here we go. Um, isn't it weird? Kind of what's happening in society in terms of. So if I told you like, if I told you I had a problem with like, I don't know, some mental disorder, let's go with just something really easy. Let's say I was just anorexic. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and I was, I don't know exactly what that is, but if, I, if I'm wrong, if I'm saying this wrong, I apologize. Let's say I ate and then make myself throw up, whatever that is, bulimia or anorexia. And I do that and I'm doing that every meal. And then I come to you, my counselor, I'm Jared Halbert. And I'm like, yeah, I have anorexia. Um, you would somehow try to work, put me in some sort of protocol that, that would address that issue. And we would make the assumption or we would be clear that the issue is, is that, hey, Sevon, you need to find a way to eat, keep your food down and move on with your life. Whatever's causing you to eat and then throw up, this is an unhealthy behavior. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say, hey, dude, I have an idea. Why don't we fucking um, uh, so you never have to do that again? Why don't we wire your jaw shut and give you um, liposuction right. and make you even skinnier? Yeah. But. That is some of the stuff that we're seeing in the media now. Now, now I'm, I'm super thankful, and I don't mean to pass judgment on anyone. I'm super thankful that um, I'm just happy with who I am. Yeah, w- whatever that means. And so when I look, when I take a piss, I just assume biologically I'm a man. 
because I, I got those parts. But like, I don't have like all these things like about gender and all this shit. I don't have any of those. I'm never like, hey, I should walk like this so I appear to be man. I don't do any of that. The only man shit I do, I think, is like pee and hump. <laughs> yeah. And other than that, I don't really care. Like, I I, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And um, so uh, but but if you ha- if, but if I thought I was a woman and I went to a doctor. And, and I showed him I have a penis, but I think I'm a woman. Instead of like trying to help me get back to being a man, now they're like, okay, well, should we remove your penis or start you on some therapy to turn? Like it's the opposite of how you would treat anorexia or other – like if, if you if you went with some – so and, and here's the scary one. And, and this is kind of – I don't know why we're going here, but except that I'm a wackadoodle. If I went to someone and said that, hey, I, I – I'm a pedophile. I would want them to try to fix me, not fucking normalize pedophilia. Yeah. Do, do you see where I'm going with it? And we have this world that's like, um, uh, we shouldn't be help. We should be helping people, not not normalizing people's derangements, right? Yeah. I'm more. I I just, uh, my opinion on it is, I don't care what people do in their own house as long as they're not affecting anybody else. Well, uh-huh. and hurting kids, right? I don't care what you do in your own house yeah. either. You'd, you'd be but, affecting but you somebody can't, else if you're hurting. Yeah, kids. yeah, you but, can't uh, hurt kids. The, uh, I don't know. I stay, I stay a hundred percent away from all the gender stuff. And like, if 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 you feel like you're a guy and you're a girl currently, it, it, you 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 do you. I, right. I don't care. Um, but, but as a psych, but as a psych, but you were a psychology major as a psych, I mean, as a counselor, you were, you weren't there to like, I mean, what if you would have talked that kid into like, Oh, it's totally normal. Don't, don't worry. It's okay for your, that, that's the way I feel like the world sometimes is going. Like, instead of like trying to help people, we're trying to normalize everything. Like, no, waking up and eating, drinking a six pack of Coke should never be normal. It's not. No. Yeah. No, it's, it's I like, what, it's like what, what you said in the beginning. It's like, it's not, no, what's that shit you said you're not supposed to put in your septic tank? Um, the liquid plumber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, and I, I think that, you know, there's probably a perception around, you know, being an owner of a gun stuff, but like, I'm a hundred percent a proponent of what you're doing in your own home is your thing as long as Me you're too. not somebody too. else. Um, and I, I stay away from it. And we actually, we had a, we've had a couple of um, women that were born men compete in the tactical games and nobody knew, nobody noticed. And honestly, they didn't do very well. I didn't say anything about it. And when they contacted me about it, I just said, Hey, look, if you're a woman now, you're what I don't care. Like, it, I don't even know why you're telling me this, just show up and compete. And if, if my stance on it was, is that if there is a unfair advantage that's being gained, I'm pulling you out of the competition. Like, fair hey, enough. If I, yeah. If I'm standing back there, I'm like, Hey man, um, you joined this competition this weekend and you made the decision to be a female three days ago, but you were like pumping roids five days ago as a gym bro. Like I'm going to take issue with that. And when they contacted me through email, I was like, listen, I don't remember things very well and I'm not going to make it a habit to know your name. So sign up under the division that you feel like you feel you need to sign up under. 
but I'm just warning you if you show up and I immediately recognize something that is not equitable, I'm stopping it immediately. And like you, that seems fair. That seems fair. Open, fair and open of you. Yeah. And I was like, you can't get mad at, mad at me for it. I was like, you're the one that's putting yourself in this situation. And you also don't want to get sued though, either. Right. I don't give a shit about that. Um, But the, uh, you don't want to get sued. I don't give a shit about that. Texas. The, uh, it's just, you know, why should I give a, if, if somebody shows up and I still don't, there, there's been two of them that sent me emails I don't know if they signed up or not. I think one of them ended up signing up, but I couldn't tell you what their name was. And I couldn't point at them to tell you which one it was. Um, so my should've thing, got, you should have got that doctor's business card. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, my thing is that if, <clears throat> if I'm sitting there and I can't tell, why is it, it's none of my business. And right. the other thing is why did they even contact me? Like if, if they feel like they're a woman, they're a woman, sign up and be a woman. I don't care. But if I agree with that too, we had that at CrossFit too. Someone wanted to sign, someone asked, I remember, and it, and it was just like Greg was like, Hey, dude, I do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like if, if you walk up to the men's elite bar, right, mm-hmm. and it's got 245 pounds on it and you clean and jerk it 10 times to warm up for your female event that's coming up, and like we're going to have a fucking conversation about you not competing in that division anymore because that's do, obvious. Do you guys test? You guys test? Uh, not, we're, we're not big enough to test right now. Um, right. and to be honest with you, the shooting component of the sport really levels things out, um, to where do you even care if someone was doing like, is that, is that even like, uh, a, there's, there's hundred percent people on steroids right now, uh, that are competing and I, I know who they are. And, and, and do you even care though? I mean, does it bother you? I'm not on steroids and I win. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to do uh, not. I want to do. I'm going to throw an event that's like the CrossFit Games here, and it's going to be called the California Hormone Games, and there's going to be no testing. But I, I it's funny you say it because I still think, and the prize money is going to be massive, and I still think Justin Medeiros is going to come out there and just win it. So the like, thing, like that, just totally natural. Just hi guys, you know, all sweet and shit. The, Where's the, the events and just dominate? So steroids don't turn you into an athlete. They may make you stronger. They may make you recover faster and they may make you bold, but they don't make you move better. They don't help your mobility. They don't help your mindset. They don't turn you into an athlete. So if you couldn't throw a ball before, you're not going to be able to throw a ball after you do steroids. I do think that they kind of help your mindset though. I mean, I've never done them, but I'm just hearing like that. Everyone I know who's done them. No, I, I, from outside looking in on a couple of guys that, there's a couple of guys that I don't know for sure, but there's a couple of guys I do know for sure that did it. Um, they, they lost their, um, their marbles, lost. their mind. And it's with, with a shooting aspect. Um, you have to stay completely level headed. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you know, if you're, if you're way too intense and you've gotten way too deep into the workout portion of it, um, you're not going to be able to hit any targets. And so if you're, if you're that focused on the physical aspect of it, or you're going that hard on the physical aspect of it, you're, you're not going to be able to hit anything. Um, so, uh, I, I don't, I watched that frowning documentary where he's like, I don't think it's an advantage. I, in CrossFit, I, absolutely. It's an advantage. Um, but I don't think it's, you're, if you put me on steroids and let me be on steroids for three years, I'm not going to come and beat Justin Medeiros at CrossFit. You know? Right. Right. I'm still going to suck at CrossFit. 
<laughs> so, do, do you have any tattoos? No. No. Yeah, me neither. You don't seem like a tattoo guy. I would have guessed that. It would have been hard to guess it because everyone has one. Yeah. And, and why don't you have any? Do you know? Yeah, my mom would have beat the shit out of me if I right, had a tattoo. Right. <laughs> right. And still, like, to this, if I showed up at home with a tattoo, uh, I'd get my mom would beat the hell out of me for it. So, yeah, no. And have you ever had the desire to get one? No. Yeah. Me uh, neither. Right. I, I don't have anything against them. I don't know if my wife has one. Uh, but Where's hers? The typical stamp. Like. Oh, and, and, and do you like it? Uh, well, I mean, I graduated from OU and it's a Longhorn, so uh, not really, but uh, it is what it is. Why did you start CrossFit? Um, I broke my back uh, in an ATV accident. And oh my god you're so texas yeah albaline yeah. broken back from atv and, and, uh, and, and let me guess in, in is your girlfriend from is your wife from high school we went to the same high school but Incredible. i didn't know i did not know her in high school um she actually graduated with my sister wow so, um she's five years older than i am so she was out of high school before i got in um but uh broke my back i gained like 30 or 40 pounds uh, how'd you break your back what year was that it's probably seven eight years ago now uh it, it was seven years ago because my son was my wife was pregnant with my son so your first kid uh second kid second um can you tell me the story before you tell me like can you tell me the atv story yeah so i uh that's I was, a three wheel that's a three wheel thing no, it was the UTV, like the razors that they do okay. in the desert and stuff. And the so it has like a cage and shit. Mm-hmm. The cage is what broke my back. Um, of course, I wasn't I wasn't seat buckled, and uh, I was driving to a deer stand, and the shock tower broke on the front right, and it locked up the suspension, and it flipped the UTV, and uh, it rolled on top of me. I got pinned underneath it. And okay, sorry, sorry. Hold on, hold on one second here. Yep. Oh, oh w- w- this thing you were in this? Yeah, but the four seater version of that. And, yeah. and 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 that that red um that red shock right there snapped. Yeah. So where that red shock connects to the frame at the top of it, uh-huh. there's a tab right there, and that tab broke. So the shock went through the plastic hood, and uh, the tire collapsed down into the frame. Like the tire hit the fender. And it made it flip when it did that. A total freak accident, or were you like jumping off like a six foot? No, I was doing something. Like, I was going like twenty miles an hour with my foot hanging off the side with no oh. seatbelt. So, so a total one in a million. Oh yeah, I was on a I was on an oil field road, so it was like completely manicured dirt road. It wasn't like a I wasn't doing anything dominant when it happened. Nuts, 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 nuts. Got the doctors kept giving me pain pills and stuff, and uh, which which vertebrae did you break? It was in my I I had eight fractures in my thoracic spine, so upper back. Uh, so like like towards your neck. Yeah, so I went because I thought I broke my leg, um, <clears throat> and I went in and they're asking me questions like, yeah, I was like my neck's kind of stiff, but my leg really hurts, and I went to the hospital the next day because uh, the ranch is kind of real far out. Um, and next thing I knew, they're like, well, let's do an MRI or CAT scan, whichever one it is. And, uh, 
they came immediately came back in <clears throat> and put me in a neck brace and told me I couldn't move. And they gave me an option of either surgery or I couldn't lift over five pounds for six months or seven months. Um, so I went with the not lifting weight over five pounds for seven months. And I basically had to lay in bed, not do much. Uh, were you so stiff every morning? I broke my back once and, uh, it it was my lower back. Two vertebrae came in and smashed one. I jumped off a roof. Um, and and when I woke up in the morning, I was just stuck. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was just stuck. It was, I separated my quad too, or like the inside muscle of your quad. I I forgot what the name of that specific muscle is, but, uh, that hurt a lot worse than my back did. Um, What, What do you mean separated? Like it came off the bone? No, like it, the roll cage smashed on top of my femur and it pushed the muscle away from each other. So if you had one muscle, now you had two, like it kind yeah. of split open a your quadricep muscle. Yeah. So I still have oh. a little, like a section of my quad that is like a divot. Wow. So, um, but anyway, I, that's what I started CrossFit against the doctor's wishes about a year after that accident. And, uh, I would say after I I was very careful in the gym that I started at, like the owner thankfully was like a really laid back guy. And, uh, we, we became good friends after that, but he, he got me started on it. I strengthened all the muscles around my back and leg and stuff like that. And then about six months after I started CrossFit, I was a hundred percent pain-free. So, wow. Um, And you had never done CrossFit before that? No, I thought it was stupid. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, I played golf and we, in the college, when I was, when I was in college in the weight room, there was a specific way you worked out and it was the gym bro stuff. Like, yeah, you know, three sets of five at whatever, and then go run three miles uh, type stuff. You'll uh, go back to that when you're old. Trust me. I started <laughs> doing, I've, I'm 50. I'm going back to, I've started going back to the gym bro stuff. I like, a there's that functional uh, bodybuilding. Oh yeah. Like Marcus Philly's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen several people go to kind of that style and they say that they like that pretty well. Yeah. I've slowed, I've slowed way down, but like I hadn't done bench press. I mean, like, uh, like probably in years and I've started doing some of that. I started fooling around with skull crushers. I don't do curls so much, but instead of doing cleans, you know, like hand cleans, mm-hmm. I'll sort of cheat it a little bit and bring it up like this and then slow it down on the way down. And I, I really, I mean, I still try to get some intensity in a couple of days a week, but, but nothing, you know, nothing like just like, okay, I have 15 minutes. I'm going to run out into the garage and do Fran. Uh-uh. So you, you started in CrossFit. You started at the, uh, you were part of the media team, right? Yeah. And, early early like before they um it, uh i was thir- how, how old did you see you are 36 yeah so i started with crossfit when i was 34 and that was in 2006 the end of 2006 and they did they, they hardly had any even they barely had pictures on the website let alone videos yes, and then they yes. did have a couple videos and then i and that's when i emailed greg and lauren so the guy that i just hired for to be the president of the tactical games he uh it's fascinating to me. The businesses that I've owned before, like media and stuff like that, wasn't important. It's just getting the job done on time and building a reputation for yourself through that. But media is, at first I didn't like it, but I guess my eyes have been open to, you know, 
six months ago, I could look at two pictures and I didn't know the difference between the two pictures. Now you look at two pictures and I'm like, this is a total hack job. And this guy's a professional. <laughs> yeah. So, and the, the value of it is unbelievable. I, <clears throat> I, I had no idea. Um, but it's fascinating to me in the depth of, you know, I thought it was just a camera. You point it and take pictures and stuff. Uh, the depth of all that stuff is, it's another world to be in. It's crazy. Do you have any media on those on those events? Those like kind of um, uh, the the women's events where um, you introduce sort of people to the tactical games. Do you have media around that? Uh, so we try to keep it as low stress as possible, um, it, but we do. Um, there is shooting gallery. It's a uh, TV show with Michael Bain. He came out and he did a whole TV show on it. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think it airs on Outdoor Channel. Uh, but anyway, they did a whole episode on it and tests, you know, they interviewed tests and a bunch of the people that were there, which is fu funny enough. The first shooting match I ever entered, um, me and Tess were on the same squad and then Heather Miller was at that TGU as well. And she was actually on that squad too. Um, is she one of your good shooters also Heather Miller? Heather no, she's a, uh, I, I know her pretty well from shooting just over the last 10 years or so, but, uh, she works for, um, staccato, a, a gun company. Okay. You're wearing their hat. Yeah. I've shot for them for a while. So, um, because I think that would be interesting. It'd be interesting to hear from those people. You know how we used to do the media in the beginning, uh, in the, when I first started working at CrossFit, basically what I would do is. And I, it was super duper effective. I would just go to an, a level one. Did you take your level one? Yep. I took the online level one. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Oh, um, why'd you do that? Just because it was during the pandemic? Yeah. It was um, actually, it was pretty good. It, I yeah. I, I've heard it's good. I, I could see how people would think that it's not as legitimate or whatever, but it's uh, it was a good class. I learned a lot. Yeah, I just um, the the part that's cool about going in person is you really get and, and you already went to a, an affiliate, but you really get soaked in the culture. Like you basically show up there with like 40 to 60 people you've never met before and everyone's kind of standoffish and like to themselves. And yeah. by the end, you're cheering everyone on. Yeah. And it's yeah. just nuts. In those two days, these people become kind of your best friends and you can't yeah. believe how much energy the, the level one instructors have. They have so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, one of the things we would do is we would show up to level one and we would just walk up to like, I would walk up to the participants with my camera and I would introduce myself and then slowly throughout the weekend, I would talk to them. So yeah. why did you come here? Do you have kids? What does your family think about you being here? And then I would shoot what we call B roll. Are you familiar with that term? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and then I would cut it together with their interview and we used to make tons of those. And that caused, I, I think that really was one of the, the, I mean, besides the methodology is amazing. I think that was one of the core components that caused it to explode. And I would be curious to hear, um, uh, uh, you know, like see a five minute video on a, on one of these women's take on, on this two day course, you know, that she takes and that the fact that it's free and, and, you know, what she thinks it's cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely something we could do or we should do for sure. Um, yeah. So, so when you, when you, you got, you got in this accident and, um, and they, they immediately put you on what, like Vicodin and Oxycontin and that kind of stuff. They just gave you tons of that. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it like, I did not the way, like the way it made me, uh, think and feel. Um, so I, I wasn't about that and they kept get, giving it to me. And I, so I stopped taking it because I'd rather just be in like 
pain, but be able to work and right and stuff. Um, cause it, I mean, those mix nice with beer. I used to like taking a Vicodin and drinking a beer, two Vicodin and a beer. <laughs> mm, the good old days. That sounds like something you can get addicted to. Um, and, and a good, and a good sporting event on TV and a nice couch. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I try to I try to stay away from stuff like that. But the uh, it's like I, I think uh, Fraser talks about it a lot. A uh, successful people have addiction personalities, you know. And mm-hmm. luckily, uh, my dad was telling me when he was um, his addiction has always been business, and that's what he focused on. That's why I work so hard all the time and stuff like that. And I think I I I don't have really an addictive personality, but. I hundred percent buy into things and uh, I would not want to focus that energy on something that is going to be a detriment to myself. I totally, I, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to like be like, like if you did heroin in in two months, you'd have your own um, opium field and pop. You're like, I'm not just going to do the drugs. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I know. I I I have like a fleet of planes flying all over the country. Yeah. 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 Hey, um, that that being said, is is any part of you interested in making guns or making bullets or um, getting in? And I don't just mean with the, those are bullet makers behind you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I mean, actually like, um, uh, starting your own business where, where you actually sell bullets or sell guns. Is that something that interests you? I had an ammunition company for a little while. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, my dad actually, he started it and I took it over and then I sold it about, about the same time that I sold everything else. So um, what, what do you do? So when you, when you have these companies and you sell them, do, um, what is the plan? Is it to make sure you take that money and make it last as long as you can or make it last forever? Or like, so um, w- w- I worked at CrossFit in the, for 15 years and then I was fired. And then as soon as you're fired, you see this runway appear in front of you, right? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the runway is a cliff that falls off into the abyss and you and your family are now just like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? And that runway is made of dollar bills, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you have your business, by the way, I really respect the fact about this. The, I, I, I would like to talk about that again, the stress you felt having all those employees. Cause Greg used to talk about that all the time. That was the greatest thing about selling CrossFit. He could finally sleep at night without thinking about the employees, but um, you have this runway and, um, and then if you don't make money, you can't lay out more runway. That's yeah. like the hor- timeline, the horizon line. Um, when you sold this company, are you like, okay, um, have you ever seen that um, skit? It's from that movie Matt Damon's in where it's like, if you have $3 million, you have fuck you money. Yeah. You need to, so is it, was it kind of like that? You're like, okay, I'm going to sell these three businesses. I need to have this amount of money. I need to have this much in Bitcoin, this much in the stocks, this much from a rent that I'm getting from a house. And then my wife, as long as my wife keeps her job, I can keep laying out more runway. Like, is that, is that the process of, uh, and then you're like, Oh fuck, I'm going to buy the tactical games. That ruins everything. I just shortened my runway in half. No, the, uh, the, it, it only took about five months to turn the tactical games around and get it profitable and, um, to where it's very sustaining. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's more than sustaining. It's, it's very successful and awesome. God, the, that's uh, awesome. The I've never worried about it to be honest with you. I just I know that I'm always going to do something and figure something out. So I just keep on keeping on. Is that faith? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Are you religious, man? 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't talk about it. I'm not like going to go knock on your front door and ask you if you know Jesus, but um, yeah, absolutely. hundred um, percent. How did that happen? Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I didn't have a choice, but like I definitely had a choice. I just, my dad was an amazing guy and I always wanted to be like him. So he was a deacon in the church and he, everything that he did was guided by the values from church. And I liked that about him and I wanted to be like that. So, um, it's, it's so nice to hear this story because you know, uh, the typical story is, is your dad was a priest or a deacon or whatever. And you, at some point you rebel and you're like, fuck this. Um, and my dad did, get a, did a really good job of he's, a, he's always been a very good man. And, uh, but he also did a really good job of making sure that I know, I knew that he was, he wasn't always perfect. And he would give me examples of, you know, earlier in his life when he messed something up and the ramifications of that and why he wished he wouldn't have done it. When he saw me going down a road that was going to, you know, land me in the same spot that he was. Um, so, uh, he never, he, he never pretended to be perfect in front of me. Um, and I try to do the same thing with my kids. So, yeah, me too. But it's, a uh, life's a lot easier when you just, you know, make good decisions, <laughs> be a good person. So, um, when, when you say your dad had, um, good, um, or you like, you not, not good values, you liked his values. Can you give me an example of like what a value is? Um, I mean, his, he was a CPA, um, and people trusted him with their finances. And one of the things that he did as a CPA is, uh, you know, an older lady that had a bunch of wealth come to him and it was his job to help set, you know, separate out the estate and make sure that everybody was getting equal shares and stuff. And there were several times in business where he would come home and talk about it. And he talked about business a lot at home and he would say, you know, these are the decisions that I have to make. And, this decision would bring me a lot of money, but it's an unethical decision and I can't do it. And, uh, so I think going, hearing those things like, and I mean, perfect example is, uh, uh, Hepner, right? So Hepner's doing the tackle games now. And when you great dude, by the way, have you had a chance to hang out with him? Yes, I have. And that's like, he's dope. Whenever you start figuring out what you really figure out who somebody is when you're exposed to the finances side of them. Right. And Hepner's doing some training, uh, on our platform and stuff like that. And there's other things that financially we've had, you know, if sponsors come in and stuff, my main thing is helping the athletes. Right. And the way he's conducted himself and that, um, like he has good values. Um, money doesn't guide his decisions and he, uh, He's an amazing guy. Like, I, I don't know if you, how well you know him, but uh, I just, I, I couldn't stand him. And then I interviewed him on my podcast. I, I, I kind of like to do that. Like face yeah. the people that I have like judgments about. And if, he, he fucking, he, he, I was swooning in his presence. He's, I, yeah. I thought he was the, a gentleman and a, and a loving kind soul. I loved him. Yeah. He, he's definitely, he's one of those people that when you're around him, um, he, I wouldn't say like forces you to be a better person. He makes you want to be a better person. Right. I could, could totally see that. And then how about that girl who gets to train with them? Olivia Kerstetter. Dude. What a great team they are, huh? Yes. And 
how strong she is. So that's a, a lot of people. In the, <laughs> She's crazy. A lot of people in the tackle games have been at, at one point or another. We we just the the sport advances, right? So like things get heavier, the runs get longer. The and we started hitting weights that people were saying like, "Hey guys, th- this is unrealistic weights and stuff like that." And it's like. There's this 14 year old girl in Kansas, <laughs> right? Did a 205 pound snatch. <laughs> um, so, like, if lifting 150 pounds over your head is too heavy, you're admitting that a 14 year old girl lifting uh, 205 pounds over her head, you know. It, uh, and they, and you have different divisions. Really, what those people are coming trying need to come to terms with is like, hey, you're not you you, you need to stay in your division. Yeah, and the 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 other thing is, I, I think that people tie their success and the tactical games with how well they do their profession if they're coming from the military and law enforcement and they have to realize it's called the tactical games because that's what tim burke named it right and tim burke has a resume that he can name anything that he wants to tactical because i mean you, you've known him from the past and uh but it's a shooting and it's a shooting and fitness competition and it, we test those two things, shooting and fitness. And when you show up and like somebody like Hepner is there who has focused a ton of energy over the last year and a half into becoming the best shooter he possibly can. And he's an athlete, just straight athlete. Right, right, right. And totally. Athletes, Not just a CrossFitter, but can do it all. Right. Athletes are frustrating people because you can work for years to be good at something. And uh, like Corinna, I forgot what her last name is. She came kind of from the OCR world. Um, she like she came and just naturally started picking stuff up that had taken other people years to do it. And that's what I think there's some frustration on that front from, you know, some of the people that do those kind of things for a living is you have to realize some of these people are professional shooters coming in that have a little bit of fitness, but they're a professional shooter, they're a world-class shooter. And then you have a world-class athletes coming in. That guy is going to learn how to shoot so fast. And those, those, the, in the body awareness that CrossFitters have stuff like that. Um, it just promote, you can't stop an athlete from doing athlete stuff. Right. It's going to happen and you just have to accept it. Right. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's cool to see Hepner progress. Um, I couldn't, we were blessed that he was the first guy that really stepped over that there, there had been a couple of other CrossFitters come over. Um, I don't think there were like nine, nine foot nine, something. Um, anyway, he runs one of the sanctionals or one of the use, the ones with the swords when they won, who is anyway, I can't remember the name. I can't remember. I, yeah, 12, I can't remember. 12, 12 laborers, 10, nine laborers. Crossfit. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, there's a guy. I don't I know what his name is, but anyway, he came and he competed and, uh, but J- Jacob was really the first one. And then Zach Forrest competed two or three times before that. But, uh, how did Zach was, do? He did well. Um, that's actually how I got to know him as we competed in the, and it was probably my fourth or fifth event that we, we competed against each other. And, uh, he, he did well, but it's a different kind of fitness also. Um, and, but he, you know, he's a good athlete too. Like you're not going to stop him from doing well. And, uh, uh, but yeah, we're definitely blessed that Hepner was one of the first ones to come over and he's, he's a great guy. He's helped us 
further the sport as well. So, um, can anyone just show up to the to the world championships like the like, and, and compete? Is it like the like the CrossFit Games in the early days? No, no, you have to you have to qualify. qualify? Okay, regular season. Like I guess we started naming them regionals a little while ago. Um, but you have to come to one of the regular events throughout the year and qualify for the championship because the the championship increases in difficulty and it's an extra day. So okay. it wouldn't really be like some of the stuff we do is just it, uh, physically would be dangerous to somebody who hasn't shown that they are competent athletes. So are these the regionals? Yeah. Yeah. The national so, bottom right of the screen is the, uh, the championship. Okay. So, um, and, um, how much money does it cost to have the uh, on the lowest end to have all the gear to participate? Uh, I, I aside from the firearms, uh, the belt that I use costs fourteen dollars. The pouches are probably <laughs> like ten dollars each, and there's five of them. I would say like two hundred and fifty dollars in gear. And then you have two guns, right? You have a rifle and a pistol. Yeah. And to get a good rifle is about a thousand dollars, 900 to a thousand dollars. And then a pistol is probably 700 bucks right in there. Um, I was, um, I, I can't remember what event it was, but, um, uh, my friend, um, Dave Castro, who he was doing a, a partner event with someone somewhere. <laughs> I won't yeah. say it's in Florida or on the East coast somewhere. I think it was in the United States. And they were doing the partner event and his friend in, on day one, and he was super excited. He had been training. I remember David had been training for it and yeah, man, so excited. Pardon me? Mammoth sniper challenge. Is that what it was? Yeah. And, um, and this is a couple of years ago. And then his, his, the guy he was with dropped his gun. Yep. And that was an automatic disqual. And I remember Dave, like, like calling me, like, like, you know, I could tell something like didn't sit well with him. You yeah. know, and I think they went back like two years later and he said he would never compete with this guy again. And he was just fucking pissed. Right. Of course yeah. he went back and, with the exact same guy and, uh, and they did it again. And I think they did well. Um, but, uh, there, there's yeah. shit like that. Right. Like, how, like that's part of the whole, even when he told me the story, I'm like, what's the big deal. But, but it all, is, is there weird stuff like that, that those of us who don't do guns, um, all uh, over the place, like safety shit like that. That's a safety thing, right? Yeah. I mean, cause the, the consequences are literally deadly. Um, dropping so, your gun, like it discharges yeah. and shoot someone. Yeah. And we just changed one of the rules. So like in a lot of the pictures and videos, you see people running around and like their rifles are swinging everywhere and stuff, but we go through a very strict clearing procedure. Um, so the athlete that just finished the event that you're doing is standing behind you. Um, and then there's a judge standing behind you. So there's yourself and two other people that are confirming that the gun is clear and that you have cleared the gun and it's empty before you can turn around. Um, that still wasn't like sitting super well with me. So we just implemented a new rule where you leave the rifle at the firing line and you don't put it back on your sling and go running around and stuff. Uh, one, you know, we're okay. But th does that make it too sanitized then? I is that like at the L one, how they stopped doing the Fran? Like you're supposed to run. Um, um, we st we're still going to have probably two events that you keep your gun on you. Um, but it's going to be the single person launch. So like, you know, on CrossFit, everybody's in lanes next to each other going back and forth. We also do single person launch events because the shooting is more difficult and you can only have one person at a time shooting the course. Okay. 
Um, so they will sling their guns because okay. it's, just, okay. it's just one person that you can, okay. and there's not five people going at the same time. Um, but so there's no one being like, Oh man, Jared's really pussified this event, like taking it. Okay. I, I thought we were running the risk of doing that. And then when we announced it, uh, 99% of the people were like, thank God, you know, it's just, you don't, it, it's never a good feeling. Uh, like it, even when I have a gun completely taken apart and the barrel is removed from the gun. Right. So it's just a barrel without the rest of the gun attached to it. Um, cleaning just a barrel that's not attached to a gun is still an unsettling feeling, like looking down the barrel. Right. And then right. You, you can imagine we're, we're attracting all kinds of people that may have just learned how to shoot bike two months ago. And right. the, you start playing like the law of averages and probability and stuff like that. And that just wasn't okay with me anymore. You know, like, and for the, to secure the future of the sport, we had to make a change. So yeah. Even what, one accident's unacceptable. Yeah. And I mean, cause the thing is, is when, when I took over, um, as the owner, I made a commitment to the people that are still around in the sport that like, this is going to be a, even CrossFit, right? Like you have to be one of the main CrossFitters to make a living in the sport. And right. I, that it wasn't okay with me that like people were losing money and doing really well at this sport. And, uh, so one of the first things that I did was change that and start helping the athletes, uh, work their contracts with sponsors and make it at least, you know, for a lot of them, a net zero thing to where it's not costing them any more money to come compete anymore. Um, and then now I would say most of the people in the top 10 are making money doing it. And my goal is to have everybody making money. Um, you know, that everybody that's good making money, you know, if you're sitting in last place, you probably don't deserve to make very much money, but, uh, that's, that's ultimately the goal. And I think that's a unique thing. And people get a little bit butthurt about me competing. And it's not the, it's not the guys in the top 10, the guys in the top 10, 100% want me to compete because, if I'm not there competing, there's an asterisk next to their name if they win. Right. Right. So, right. Right, oh, right. Like you, you won, but it's because Froning wasn't there. Right. You know, like yeah. there, there's always that cloud over like, cause who was it that like Ben Smith that won right after Froning? It's yeah. like, well, did he win? Cause he was the best or did he win? Cause Froning didn't compete. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like, so no one beat Matt and Matt left and the same thing. Like the, the women really need like, it, when Tia leaves, if no one beat her, it's kind of like that movie Highlander. Do you know that movie? Yeah. You, you kill the guy and you get his power. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if the champion leaves without anyone beating them, like there's a missed opportunity for sure. Yeah. And I made a I made a commitment that I would stay until I got beat. Oh, and wow. No shit. Good on you. I think that's cool. People always say it's cool that people leave before they get beat. I think it's cool that you said that the other way. But they – then it started, you know, the, the people, and it's never, it's never people that are in the top 10, but it's, there's always people out there. And then the people that are just following the sports, like, Oh, you know, of course he won, you know, he owns it. Of course he's, it's like, bitch, I was winning. I won everything before I owned it. And just like, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, so that's kind of frustrating. So I, I have to make a decision on what's best for the organization and then yeah. what's best as an athlete and what's best for the other athletes. And like, I I'm think the there's some brand value. 
to yeah. you just saying, fuck you, I'm competing. Do I you know what I mean by brand value? Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what CrossFit has lost over like two years. Yes, yes. There's there's total there's total brand value in um uh w- whether you like guns or don't like guns. The fact that Dave Castro was a was an operator in, in in the Navy for twelve years and a SEAL Team Six guy and makes bullets and does shooting competitions and like the that's the guy. I don't care how much you like or don't like that. That's the guy. The ethos. The the brand you want of the guy making the workouts kind of like like in the in the documentary in 2008 every second counts someone says well what would they do in the olympics he says fuck the olympics yeah that's that's the brand value and so yeah. it's like well, that guy's cheating well then go out there and beat him fuck you it's like so what guy. by the way tennis is full of cheating i've never seen such cheating by the way even at the little kids level that's another problem with sport the cheating is just rampant and everyone knows it but okay go on sorry so, so i mean that's kind of the but i feel like i owe it especially like I, I, I don't pretend to be something I'm not like Hepner more than likely if I compete in the championship this year is going to beat me. And speaking of cheaters, fucking yeah. Hepner. <laughs> and uh, he, he's going to beat me. Um, you know, obviously I can't keep up with his fitness, but uh, like the, sh- the, the shooting advantage I have on him Um is uh, is exiting the realm of like the the difficulty that we experience in the tactical games and while i would still be able to beat him in a shooting competition uh he's getting too good at shooting to where his fitness where i can't overcome it right and uh but i feel like i feel like and I, and I don't fault anybody for leaving a sport before they lose. Cause like, there's also other things like priorities you have in life that you want to move on to. And, uh, but I feel like you kind of owe it to a sport to stick around until you lose so that that next guy carries that torch. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's kind of the predicament that, that I'm in. <laughs> even so, even, even if you had, um, uh, a problem with the programming, you would overcompensate and you wouldn't say anything, right? Like, like a, a month later, like you would still be like, oh. you'd, you'd be like, Hey, it's inappropriate. Like I've, I've, I've made my bed and I'm not even going to say shit. Yeah. So like during the competition, during the championship last year, several people walked up to me like, Hey man, uh, they're making this call against me. I'm like, Whoa, bro. No, like I can't say anything to you. Like, yeah. If you want to talk to me about your wife cheating on you, you know, I'm a psychology yeah. major, but this fucking gun <laughs> shit, like, yeah you. the uh like i have to tell him be like hey man like i have to stay completely out of this i can't even though i know like i have an opinion i'll tell you my opinion in three months um but uh no and i have opinions of the programming like <clears throat> wednesday after the championship i called jake who essentially is like the castro of our sport right he's the one uh-huh. that programs everything and what's his last uh, name mazel okay and I called Jake and I was like, Hey man, uh, so you totally fucked up like two events. That was cool. Um, let's talk about how you said that to, you said that to him. Yeah. It was after the competition was over. And does uh, he say fuck you and hangs up on you? That's what they would do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, but we did, I mean, I'm honest with him about it. And then being a competitor also keeps you present, uh, in, it's easy. Um, like I didn't compete for probably six or eight months cause I was running the events and stuff and it's easy to build a callus and just be like, man, these people are just complaining about this and it's not that big of a deal. It's different when it's affecting you as a competitor. Um, oh. so keeping a foot in it 
um, to where you remind yourself, like as a match director, it's easy to build a callus and say, well, it's just a little deal. I don't really care about it. But as a competitor, you have a whole, it's from a whole different looking glass. Right. Um, yeah. so it helps, it helps keep perspective, um, when you're making decisions as an owner and a match director, um, when you're out there competing sometimes. So, uh, I have to, I have to do this really quick. Let's see. Let's see how this plays out here real quick. Just sorry. I apologize. Everyone listening. I'm supposed to be taking my boys to skateboarding right now, but I have one more question before I let you go. Before you let me go. Let's see if my wife answers. No, she's not going to answer. She got the kids in the car waiting. Cause when this podcast ends, I just jump in the car and I drive them over the hill to, their yeah. skate, to, to the skate park. It's like, oh, all right. Okay. Here's the question. You ready? Yep. I could go to church every single day and want to be a Christian so fucking bad, but I've heard that it doesn't, you have to be invited that there has to be a calling from the Lord, from Jesus, from God. And that then, then when you've called and not all men are, are, are called, does this make any sense to you? What I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, um, do you think that not only you, the reason you gave for uh, so, sort of your foundation in your religious beliefs was um, you wanted to emulate your dad because of your love for him and your admiration for him. And you saw the way he um, carried himself on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but have you also been called and, and, and how did you know, what was that? How, how did that happen? Hmm. Uh, there are definitely just events throughout my life that led me to it. Uh, and I, I guess more so confirmed my belief in it um you know making it through that uh utv accident i hundred i should have died 100 percent um there were things that happened uh after i woke up because i was knocked unconscious for however long i was there i was by myself so um so for several hours and i was trapped underneath it and you came to and you were underneath that thing yeah yeah. And you're like, and were you like, Oh fuck. Are you just like doing the thing, like take it and assess that, that like, Oh fuck. Yeah. So it had me pinned to the ground by my leg. Um, and I couldn't get it off. And for a while, like, so blood was in my eyes. I had a gash on my head. And so like, it's super hard to get blood out of your eyes, by the way. But, uh, I was trying to get the blood out of my eyes. I finally got it out of my eyes. I could see pretty well. <clears throat> and I was trying to figure out like how I'm going to get my leg out before like the pain hit and the adrenaline went away and I, I couldn't do it. And I was probably there for like 45 minutes struggling under this thing. And I, I just finally, I was like, well, you know, no cell phone around. No, no, there's no cell phone service out at our ranch. Uh, so I was like, well, my dad's going to leave his deer stand in about five hours. So when I don't get back to camp, he's going to notice I'm not there. He's going to, how bad back. is the pain at this point? It hadn't hit yet. I wasn't in pain. Um, are you, are you talking to God at that point? God, don't let me die. I have kids, shit like that. No, uh, I was thinking about it. That's for sure. Um, but so I, I decided that, you know, I was just going to try and get as comfortable as I could before. Cause I was kind of coming in, I, I was starting to go back out of it. I was about to pass out again. And, uh, I, I was like, I'm going to adjust this way and see if I can kind of like get somewhat comfortable. Um, <clears throat> that way when the pain sets in, at least I'm, somewhat in a comfortable situation. And, uh, I, I looked up and the, the bar that was crushing my leg had lifted up and 
I slipped, slipped my leg out from underneath it. And it, uh, why, why did it lift up? I, I don't know. So that's, I mean, that's one of the things that has confirmed it for me, um, was the second I, my leg got out of the way, it crashed back down on the ground and I got up and I walked to my friend, um, that was probably a mile away. And, uh, he was asleep in his deer blind and I, I threw a rock, you know, I threw a rock at it and it hit the rock. And as soon as we, as soon as I saw him look at me, that's the last thing that I remember. Oh, you surrendered. Okay. Yeah. Homeboy's got it from here on out. Yep. So, but that's definitely, there's, and I think everybody has, um, things in their life that they can't explain and yes, sir. you try to justify it as something else or, you know, I've told a couple of people that story and they're like, man, you're out of it. Like you're hallucinating and you probably thought it was really hard, but it wasn't really hard to get it off. And when you adjusted, it went up like my, my leg says a different story. Like my quad separated. It, it was, it hurt. Um, so, but yeah, that's, a. Uh, that's definitely what's done it for me. So it's one of those things that did you, did you ask for help um, before that happened? No. Um, I, I, I do remember thinking that, uh, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, there's no way, like at least right now that there's no way that this situation could get any worse. Like I've hit the, the apex of this situation. I've hit that. And from here on out, I'm, I'm either going to pass back out and my dad's going to wake me back up or, you know, whatever. Um, and then like 35 cows walked up and I don't know if you've seen like, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a cow pee before. Um, but it's like, yeah, yeah. This morning. That's how I, I feel like I feel I've seen a donkey pee every morning when like, I pee. I'm like, man, you're built like a donkey. Savon. You like dump this water out. Like oh, that, that's how that's they, like how fast. Okay. Okay. So oh, like, and it's is it near you? Like near yeah, your head, so even? I was laying there and uh it started peeing pretty close to me. And the like the splash, like the splatter, you know, just like <laughs> you know, like when you're sitting when you're peeing in the toilet, yes. a little bit hits your leg. Like yes, that, like, always. You know, I was like, man, I'm sitting here. I was like, I thought it couldn't be any worse, and there it is. It, it <laughs> 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 oh it's so good yeah there's a there's a lot of lessons and i think a lot of appreciation for the little things in life uh still to this day that i remind myself that i was laying there thinking about just wanting to read books with my son and yeah stuff like that so anyway but it's it's definitely good it's definitely a good reminder um every time i start getting a little ahead of myself i always like think back to those things so Here's the thing, man, that people don't get. So, so I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, I've told it a million times on there, but basically, my senior year, I got called by the counselor into the office. She's like, "Hey, you're not going to graduate from high school." I go, "Why?" She goes, "You don't have enough credits because you you haven't gone to like four of your classes this year." I'm like, "Oh fuck!" And she goes, "And here's your transcript." And I'm like, "Fucking like I feel like tears starting to well up." You know what I mean? I'm a senior high school. I can't believe I'm not going to graduate. It's a week till school gets out. And she goes, "Do you want me to check your main transcript?" And I said, "Yeah, please." And she goes, "Okay, I'll go get the file." And I fucking, I'm like, dear God, I'm sorry. I've never fucking prayed to you, but I'll, I can't remember the deal I even made with God. It was like, I'll never fuck up or be an asshole or something ever again. I promise I'll do this, this, and this. You got to get me to fucking graduate. Yeah. And she comes in and she opens the fucking transcript and she says to me, oh shit, 
you did every high school play from your freshman year, sophomore year, junior, senior year, and you stayed after school. So you get credits for that. You're going to fucking graduate. And the reason why I did that is as my freshman year was the, I saw there were girls doing drama. So I walked in there. I'm like, oh, if I could hang out with girls who are like older than me, that'd be great. That would talk to me. And but- and someone would be like, well, then that has nothing to do with God. That has to do with the fact that um, uh, uh, you, you did. The, it's like, no, you're fucking missing the point, man. I think it, the- it's like the same thing if someone said, well, maybe the dirt sunk um, and, and it below one side of this ATV and it wasn't got what? Like, are you not are you not fucking listening? Like, do you always have an excuse for everything about what to see the truth? It's just it's fascinating to me. And I'm not a believer, but I'm but I'm but I'm. Like there's, a, there's a main, there's a main principle. And like what you were talking about earlier, that's hard for people to justify in their minds. Uh, once I understand that I'm a Christian and, you know, largely a conservative and, you know, I like guns. So there, there's a stigma that goes with all of those things and it's to love the center, but hate the sin. Right. So you can love the person. You can, you can also not exactly love what they do or their lifestyle or style or whatever. And you can also not agree with it, but you can still love the person. Right. So there's several, I worked in a home with developmentally disabled adults. And that was one of the greatest things I learned. Do not address the, their behaviors, address them. Yeah. Yeah. And when I realized that, like, like I could forgive anyone, I didn't hold it. Like you didn't pay me back thousand bucks. You owe me. That's okay. That I, I, that's separate from my love for you. Yeah, totally. I totally feel that in my day to day life. So that's why, that's how, you know, a lot of people don't understand when, you know, there's somebody that lives a lifestyle that's contract contrary to, you know, what I believe. And, um, they don't understand why I'm really good friends with them. It's like, well, I'm really good friends with them because they're a good person. Like I don't agree with 15% of their life, but the other 85% of their life, like they're a cool person. They're good. Like I want to be around them. They're a nice person. Um, and I love people because I want to love people. I don't love people based on the fucking love they earn from me. I'm not letting them dictate um, my love for them. Fuck you. I'm who I am. Yeah. I'm, yeah, so I'm put here to love on people and give people attention. So that's, that's how, I mean, I know it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's hard for a lot of the people that I'm around to understand sometimes that, you know, there's might be somebody that's living an alternate lifestyle and I'm friends with them and they, they don't, they can't put those things together. And it's because, I don't care about what they're doing at their house and the decisions that they made. Like that's between them and you know, I, what, what it is for me is <clears throat> I love them as a person. They're a good friend. Um, so that's how, Hey, no one wants to be addicted to alcohol. No one wants to be shooting meth. No one wants to be addicted to heroin. There's not someone out there who's like, Oh, this is, this is, this is what I want. Exactly. Like, yep. dude, be yep. thankful you're you and not them. Yeah. That so. shit ain't fun. No, definitely not. Well, I, I think that um, we kind of built a little bit of a friendship. We, you and I have like a bit of a rapport. Yeah. Now. Yeah, oh, I think. Good. I think I, I'm going to drive for an hour and I'll, and I'll be thinking about um, this. I, I really enjoyed um, speaking with you, um, Jared. You remind me um, you're the kind of man that um, people have to – that there's a – there's a hazing and a learning, a learning period. And, and my dearest friend in the world, Dave Castro also has that he's, there's a, a, a learning period to getting to know him. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's, it's been worth every second. Thanks for coming on. Uh, if there's anything I can ever do, um, for you, let me know. I'd love to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, um, search, um, uh, some through your list of champions. I'd like to have one of the women on and talk to one of the women. Yeah, man. Let me know. I'll, I'll make sure you get in contact with one of them. 
All right, dude. Have a have a great day, and I'm I'm off to the skate park. All right, we'll see you. Okay, bye.